Hey, and welcome to Vineyard Cardiff's podcast. Whether you are out for a walk right now, whether you're on a rowing machine or you're doing the washing up, it's great to have you with us. Today, we've got the wonderful uh, Sophie Douglas. He's our Cardiff Northside pastor, continuing our summer series, The Heart's Cry, A Summer in the Psalms. Say, enjoy. Hello, it is lovely to be with you today. I have the privilege of continuing our summer series in the Psalms. If you caught James's talk last week, then you'll know that we've named this series The Heart's Cry. We find the book of Psalms in the Old Testament, kind of in the middle of the Bible, nestled in amongst what we tend to refer to as the wisdom literature. And the Psalms are all about pouring out what is in our hearts to God. They are poems and songs written by God's people about all aspects of the human experience. I love the way that Rachel Held Evans puts it in her book, Inspired. She says, in the Psalms, you will find the right words for nearly every occasion. Anger over an election that turned out all wrong. Grief for the loss of a friend. Awe at the sight of a sky thick with stars. And joy upon entering a sanctuary swelling with worship music. And last week, James looked at Psalm 63 and the heart's cry of praise and adoration. And today I'm going to be exploring the heart's cry of lament. So before we get started and delve into scripture together, let's just take a moment to think about what lament really is. Some of you may be very familiar with this and for some of you, it may be quite a new concept. And for me, it's something that I have only just begun to appreciate really in the last couple of years. Um, And I have to say, I think it is an absolutely vital part of a healthy relationship with God. And in all honesty, it's something that I had totally underestimated. Literally, a lament is a complaint or a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. To lament means to passionately pour out our grief, our complaints, our heartache. You might hear it described as the license to make spiritual complaints. Sharon Garlow Brown is a phenomenal pastor, author and spiritual director who has devoted much of her teachings to unpacking the power of the spiritual discipline of lament. She led our women's retreat back in March and she shared some absolute gems of wisdom on this subject. And Sharon describes lament as the spiritual discipline that leads us back to the love of God when we doubt the love of God. I love that. It is human to have moments when we doubt the love of God. And it's okay to have questions. In fact, we see in the Gospels that John the Baptist himself had doubts. He finds himself in prison and he calls his disciples to him and asks them to go and find Jesus and ask him, are you the one who is to come? Or are we to wait for another? John's hope had been rattled. He's second guessing the promises of God. And we see throughout the Psalms that some of God's most loyal followers had moments of asking, God, where are you in this? Lament can also be found in other parts of the Bible. An obvious one being the book of Lamentations, which was written as a collective lament as Israel wept over the destruction of Jerusalem. What lament provides is an opportunity to connect with God in the midst of our pain and suffering. 
It provides an opportunity to be honest with ourselves and not pretend to be okay and put on a mask and be in denial and try to convince ourselves that we're fine. And an opportunity to be honest with God, to bring it all before him, to be real with him. There are dozens of lament psalms which were written both as deeply personal prayers and as corporate prayers. The individual laments give us an insight into the prayer lives of some of God's followers as they cry out to God in their hour of need. Take Psalm 22, for example, which opens with, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus himself quoted that very psalm as he was dying on the cross. And the corporate laments typically express a sense of divine loss and longing for God's return. Psalm 44 was written during Israel's exile in Babylon, and it includes some gut-wrenching verses. You gave us up to be devoured like sheep and have scattered us among the nations. You sold your people for a pittance, gaining nothing from their sale. This type of corporate lament has an important role to play in posturing our hearts as the church towards justice. We just recently did a series looking at the theme of biblical justice, and that culminated in a really helpful and challenging interview with the Reverend Israel Oliphantjana about racial justice. And lament is highly relevant here. In his book, Prophetic Lament, Soong Chan Ra explains that lament challenges the status quo by crying out for justice. It runs counter to the temptation of the church to focus on triumphalism. He says the absence of lament in the liturgy of the church results in a loss of memory. We forget the necessity of lamenting over suffering and pain. We forget the reality of suffering and pain. So lament is a vital part of our personal relationships with God and a vital element of our corporate worship, creating space for grief and crying out for justice on a larger scale. And now much like life, these individual and corporate laments are peppered throughout the book of Psalms, sitting alongside songs of praise and adoration and delight in God's law. Just like life, the book of Psalms encompasses the full range of human emotions and challenges, and it helps us as readers to find ways to relate to God in whatever situation we may find ourselves. So the psalm we're going to look at today is Psalm 13. This is a psalm of David, and it follows a fairly typical pattern for a lament. So if you've got a Bible, feel free to turn to Psalm 13. If not, the words should come up on the screen for you. So this is Psalm 13, a psalm of David. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. So as I said this psalm follows a fairly typical pattern. Generally lament psalms will include the following four steps. 
Firstly, turning to God. Secondly, bringing a complaint. Thirdly, asking boldly for help. And finally, choosing to trust. So today I'd like to unpack Psalm 13 a bit more and think about how we can apply this ourselves in practising the spiritual discipline of lament. So step one is to turn to God. And verse one starts with, how long, God? How long, Lord? In fact, David asks how long four times in the space of two verses. There's a real desperation and longing here. David is feeling alone and abandoned and distant from God. This is the same David that wrote Psalm 63, on which James preached last week, which is all about pouring out his praises to God. It's the same person. David, in his desperation, is turning to God. I think this step actually is potentially deceptively simple. And for some of us, at a low point, this can be the real stumbling block. The act of turning to God rather than away from him when we're struggling and possibly doubting him is in itself a huge step of faith. As Sharon Garlow Brown puts it, these are the prayers of the brave. People who don't have faith don't speak to God like this. Only those that trust that he loves us no matter what have the courage to come before him and say, seriously, how long? So we can end up in a vicious cycle. We're doubting God's goodness, so we don't want to talk to him about it. We can't see where he's working in our lives. We doubt that he cares and we withdraw. And I have certainly had experience of this in my own walk with Jesus. I became a parent nearly two years ago now, and I can honestly say that this season of my life has unquestionably been the most testing for my faith. The potent combination uh, of a fairly traumatic start in life for my little boy, who was very poorly just after he was born and he was whisked away to the neonatal unit for tests, um, leaving me feeling bereft and confused and overwhelmed, alongside then the torture of sleep deprivation uh, and the anxiety of not knowing what to do with this tiny baby and the pressure of comparison, plus the isolation and loneliness of maternity leave, which was compounded by lockdown during this pandemic, and the monumental shift in identity and becoming a mother, plus the shame of not enjoying it, feeling guilty that I didn't seem to love my wonderful, perfect son as much as I could have, and knowing that many people would dearly love to be in that position. All of that got completely on top of me. And I have to say my mental health just completely nosedived. The only way I seemed to be able to cope was just to put my head down and keep going, to control everything I possibly could. And I couldn't see the wood for the trees. And I certainly couldn't see God in it. Now, I battled on with this for just less than a year. And when I finally accepted that what I was experiencing has a name, postnatal depression. And I reached out to the GP for help and I was prescribed some antidepressants. 
I also embarked on some counselling sessions with a wonderful and fantastic Christian counsellor. And I remember saying to her, I feel like there's just a blockage between me and God. I don't know how to relate to him anymore. I don't feel like he gets it. And I don't know what to say to him. My counsellor's advice to me, alongside helping me to process some of the trauma and some specific struggles, was to sit down and pour out my heart to God, being 100% honest about everything I was feeling towards him. And this is where I learned the value and the beauty of lament. And the first step was to turn to God. So that's step one, to turn to the Lord. And once we choose to engage with God and pour our hearts out to him, the next step is to bring our complaints, to name our feelings. In verse two, David asks, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? This is unedited, honest and raw. How come, God? Why? How long do I have to wait? How long do I have to battle this? Where are you? We might be angry, bitter, resentful, bereft, heartbroken, grieving, lost, confused, hurting. Lament enables us to name to God exactly what we are feeling with no filter. Now, some of us might wonder, can I really talk to God like that? But let me assure you that throughout scripture, we have the assurance and the encouragement to use lament as a way to connect to God. And for some of us, this may feel unnatural. This could be for a variety of reasons. We may have grown up with a sense that to complain about anything at all is just to be ungrateful. And we may have inherited a habit of squashing down our feelings and putting on a brave face. It can be awfully British to have a stiff upper lip and minimise our sufferings or to think, oh, well, it could be worse. But one of the most dangerous things we can do is to deny ourselves our legitimate feelings. Why should I be sad when so-and-so has it so much worse as if there's a hierarchy of suffering? Now, don't get me wrong. Some experiences in life and what some people are going through is severe. But the point is that there is no benefit in comparing. Because when we try to ignore or minimise our feelings or delegitimize them because it could be worse, we're trying to condense it into something we can just absorb and handle ourselves in our own strength. So we ingest it and it becomes toxic. David says in verse 2 that he is wrestling with his thoughts, that he has sorrow in his heart. He's experiencing an internal battle and we can certainly experience this too. Our thoughts can be overwhelmingly powerful. You may have heard the phrase toxic positivity, trying to put positive spin on everything, good vibes only. Not holding space for grief can lead us to feeling totally detached. Not lamenting something can lead us to resentment and bitterness. As I mentioned, I became a parent nearly two years ago, so I have a toddler now. And young children go through a phase of putting absolutely everything in their mouths 
regardless of whether or not it is in fact edible. So if my toddler puts something in his mouth that I know to be dangerous and toxic, obviously my instant reaction is going to be to get him to spit it out. And that's what lament is. It's our Father God giving us the opportunity to spit it out rather than to ingest it and allow it to fester and become toxic. So step two is to bring your complaint. Be real with it. Try not to edit it or make it sound holy. Kathleen Norris in her book, The Cloister Walk, says in expressing all the complexities and contradictions of human experience, the Psalms act as good psychologists. They defeat our tendency to try to be holy without being human first. We are invited to be fully real and honest with God as we pour out our heart's cry of lament. So once we've done that, we move on to step three, which is asking for help. In verses three to four, David asks the Lord, look on me and answer, Lord my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. Look on me and answer. What a petition. David is demanding help. And this is a real contrast from the opening verses where he just feels like God has forgotten him. He says, give light to my eyes. Help me see. Bring me clarity. Give me vision. Help me out of this dark place. David is saying here, God, if you don't intervene, I will be overcome by my enemies. God is his only hope, the only way out. Lamenting and pouring out our complaint to God leads us to a place where we can pray fervently for breakthrough. And choosing to pray is a statement of faith. It tells us who we believe God is and what we believe he can do in our lives. And finally, it leads us to a place of trust. And that's the final step. In verses five to six, David says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. And the majority of lament psalms end in this kind of pivot, this change of direction, where the author says, and yet I remember or, but this I call to mind. As we spend time in God's presence, we're reminded of who he is and what he's done for us, where our hope lies. David says he will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to him despite his despair. Taking the time to lament has led him to a place of readiness to worship God. The Lord had done so much in David's life. Perhaps he is reflecting on the time he helped him to defeat Goliath, drawing on that experience of his faithfulness. And in much the same way, we can survey the landscape of our own lives, of our own journeys with God and see the times when he's been faithful. One of the most well-known verses in the book of Lamentations is chapter 3, verse 21. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. And the writer goes on to list God's mercies and faithfulness to Israel. Some translations say, I dare to hope. 
there's an expression, isn't there? Oh, it's the hope that kills you. It's generally used, you know, lightheartedly about the perils of supporting certain sporting teams. Um, but it can be so true in times of struggle, in times of waiting. Sometimes hope itself seems impossible or risky. Yet when we have true Christian hope, it's not in something that may or may not happen. Ultimately, our hope is rooted in something that has happened, the cross. The defining moment in history and the ever-present reminder that God has already proved his love for us. David proclaims, the Lord has been good to me. And we can echo that prayer and proclaim the Lord has been good to us. No matter what, nothing can separate us from the love of God. And it can be hard to get to that place where your heart sings God's praises when your soul is downcast. I know that to be true. But lament is the spiritual practice that leads us back to the love of God when we doubt the love of God. So as I come into finish, just a few parting thoughts. As we grow in the spiritual practice of lament, it can become a regular discipline, a regular part of our communication with God. As I said earlier, laments are found throughout the book of Psalms. They're not just in one chunk by themselves. Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is followed by Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. The Psalms beautifully reflect the human experience that life is full of mountains and valleys and they give us language and license to relate to God in all seasons. I'm a journaler, which I've found extremely helpful in learning to lament. And I think if you were to flick through my journal, obviously please don't because that would be a complete invasion of privacy, but you would probably find that although I'm no poet, my journal entries reflect the variety of the Psalms. God, where are you in this? Lord, thank you so much for this breakthrough. God, how long until I feel happy again? Jesus, you are my rock, and so on. So let me encourage you, if lament is not something that's currently a part of your spiritual practice, why don't you give it a go? What might you need to lament? Is there anything that you haven't brought before the Lord that you have just tried to deal with in your own strength? Now, in all honesty, there might be something from years ago. Grief is often circular. You think you've processed your loss and you think you've, you've reached a better place and then actually something pops up on your timeline and it triggers you again and you feel like you've gone all the way back to that place. We're invited to continually process and lament the things that grieve us with the Lord. So firstly, turn to God. Then bring your complaint. Thirdly, ask boldly for help. And finally, choose to trust. You could do this by yourself, in prayer and solitude, by writing in a journal, or maybe in a conversation with a trusted friend. As I said, this is something I've been growing in myself over the last few years, and it's given me language and license to be totally real before God to be honest about my struggles 
to give spiritual complaints, to offload on him and allow him to meet me exactly where I'm at and to love me with an unfailing love. So let me encourage you today to consider incorporating lament into your prayer life in order that through the tough times, you might know his love more deeply and like David proclaim, I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me.